Matthew here from AnyWarGaming.com, and welcome to the next episode of the Wargaming Game Master, our narrative wargaming podcast. As usual, you can find this podcast uh, anywhere podcasts are normally found, or you can watch it on YouTube, whatever you prefer. My guest today is Luca. Well, thank you for having me today on this show, and uh, I'm not too sure what the contents of all the conversations are going to be, but uh, hit me up. Yeah, no. so I didn't tell Luca anything about Literally. what we're going to be talking about today, <laughs> but the reason I brought Luca on the show is because of what we've been filming for the past week, couple weeks. So essentially, we'll get into that, we'll get into that. So do not worry that Luca is not prepared, because I purposely made sure he wasn't, so that he can just be candid in his responses and, and replies to the stuff that we're going to be discussing. All right. Sounds you ready good. for that? You ready for that? I uh, Yeah. You, you know what? I prefer it that way. You prefer it that way. Okay. Less thinking involved. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to do too much of that thinking. Right. Less thinking good. Yes. So uh, before we get too far, uh, let's just do a few announcements. Uh, all narrative related, of course, because that's what this podcast is all about. Uh, first off, uh, I hope that you've had a chance to start watching our newest Warhammer 40k narrative campaign that just went out last week. The Shattered Imperium. And uh, this is the first step that I'm taking and really diverging from the canon of the Warhammer 40k universe. In other words, being able to mess with things that will probably be messed with by Games Workshop afterwards. In the past, I've already done narrative cam. I've always done narrative campaigns in such a way that no matter what they did, it could still fit with my universe. So I wouldn't touch main characters or main story arcs. This time, forget that. We're going to touch them. Well, it's a risky move, but I like it. Not yeah. maybe it's not. And we're risky. not going to give any spoilers. No spoilers. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's maybe stuff they've been wanting Games Workshop to do for a long time, especially with the release of Eighth Edition. But uh, maybe we'll get there one day. <sighs> part I will admit, part of it was due to a bit of frustration. I, I love the Warhammer 40k setting. Uh, I've had to grow to love that. By the way, I didn't like it at first, but I've really grown to like it. And when you take when you tell a story within a setting, like you go and you look at the story of Ravener or Eisenhorn or you follow Gaunt's ghosts, then like who cares about the overall setting because the story is what's important right there. Right. So, that so who be... cares if the setting is stagnant because your story progresses, your characters progress, and you get something fun there. And that's fine. I think that you can really work within that. You don't need the setting to progress. But um, there were certain things I was hoping were going to happen in 8th edition that haven't happened yet. Now, maybe this whole psychic awakening thing will... Will maybe progress because they say that they said that it could. Uh, they say that I feel like they say that every time, right? And then they just kind of dial everything up to the next eleven. Yeah, it's like uh, what's going to happen to the Golden Throne? Oh, something's happened to the Golden <laughs> Throne. Here's a new addition. Something kind of happened with the Golden Throne. Well, I think the last recent one I can think of was the whole Cipher thing making his way to the Golden Throne, and then nothing. I th yeah, I'm, I'm like, I don't even know what happened. I'm pretty with that. sure he got captured. Nice. And Classic. then they locked him away. <laughs> and so nothing happened. And it's like it's like Abaddon comes through and finally wins and destroys Cadia. And, and then nothing. We, well, it's not. I yeah. know it's not nothing. It's right. like the entire galaxy got that huge Cicadrix Maledictus. Like the warp storm basically split the galaxy in half. And now we have the Dark Imperium. And that sounds really different. Yeah. And when you go to tell stories in the Dark Imperium, you are going to feel that. But for the setting as a whole, when you kind of step back and look at it, it just still just feels like now there's more chaos. And what's what's so what story are you gonna be able to tell that's different? Like tell me a story you can now tell that you couldn't tell before. Well, I obviously and I think a lot of people here would like to see them include another Primarch coming back in a splitting of the Imperium. Yeah. Into okay. two separate factions. But I mean Games Workshop Games Workshop can still do that, but uh, might take 
how many years. Right. And, that, and all I'm trying to say, though, is like, you know, we have the Dark Imperium. Well, we can tell a story over there about how they're struggling because they don't have the light of the Astronomicon coming through as well. It's like you could already find places in the galaxy like that to tell that story. And technically and, that story's already been told. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that's fine. Those stories are all fantastic. I have, I have nothing against all those stories. They are well done. And I really like that. But sometimes you just, I, remember, I grew up with Battletech. And it felt like every book that I bought advanced the Battletech story and universe. And that created its own difficulties because then, you know, when you're playing on the table, it's like, well, that mech doesn't exist yet. So how can you be playing that? <laughs> we don't really have that problem with the 40K ones because the army state, like 10,000 years later, they're still space marines. Well, and they finally got their Primaris. How much, how much time has passed since the end of 7th to 8th? Was it 200 years or 100 years? I think years? it was 200 years. I don't know if they've ever said an exact amount of time. But it's a, it's a, it's at least a century or two. Now there's a, a couple of human name characters that are probably a lot older now that you can still use them in the game, but they might be dead. Maybe. Like maybe. think of like Commissar Yarick, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, they, well, they've never really, they've never really come out, at least as far as I know, come out and say how old a human can get in the 40k because right. they have all they their augments and they, they can become hundreds of years old without being a space spring. Either way. Either way, we're, we're getting off topic already. We haven't even gotten on topic I'm yet. I'm good at doing that, by the yeah. way. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. I look forward to that. Um, so, yeah, so the, the Shattered Imperium 40K narrative campaign that just started coming out last week, which you can find on miniwargaming.com or on our YouTube channel, is, yeah, it's based, I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but it, it follows Inquisitor Rin, and it's with a, with a writer, Miles Drake, as usual, and we really kind of um, create our own thing. Let's just put it that way. Uh, it's a, almost. It's not like a, it's. It's almost a, like a reboot. You can't really talk about it too much. I can't. Giving, I can't. Because there's, there's really spoilers. important things that you find out. I'll tell you. You find out pretty early in the campaign, so it's not like you have to watch the entire campaign to find out these cool things that are going to happen. Because even in the end of the previous resurrection campaign, it doesn't give away what the initial plan was to go forward from there. Right, and this one's going to get more into that. And so at the same time, too, if you uh, the the because half of the episodes go behind the paywall, mini wargaming vault. Uh, if you're not a Vault member, of course, there's always a seven-day free trial. You can check it out. But we have a special giveaway going on right now. If you go to miniwargaming.com slash giveaway slash deathwatch, you can actually sign up for the Vault for free. And if you do through that link, you get all of the Deathwatch campaigns, all the Inquisitor Rin campaigns. Oh, wow. Starting from the Augustine Station, That's a lot, which is, by the uh, way. yeah, there's like six or seven campaigns in there. And, uh, it's, it, you know, some of the older ones are still running in sixth edition 40K, but the story is there. And I created a video, too, that kind of recapped the overall story with Inquisitor Rin. So you can get it all. Even if you cancel your Vault membership, you still get that. But end Vault plug here, even though Vault members are the reason we can do this. So it's not like I can't, I can't advertise the Vault enough because it is what keeps us in business. Second off, people have been asking, because uh, I noticed in the comments in one of the first shows I put out for this podcast, people were saying, hey, uh, you know, when are you going to be doing narrative campaigns again? And of course... They literally were asking that as we finished up the 40K narrative campaign. Right. Luke and I, this week, which to you guys is last week, started filming an Age of Sigmar narrative campaign, which is... Um, calling Dragon Tooth. The, the Dragon Tooth Labyrinth. That's right. And it is based from the Forbidden Power book. Camp, I don't know if I call it campaign book, supplement. I'd, I'd go with expansion. supplement, expansion, they sure. An, they call it an expansion. I got oh, it right they do? Here. Oh, I right here. Okay. It's an expansion. Good. Uh, it doesn't really introduce a lot of new rules. It introduces like the all the new Storm Vault scenery. So essentially, the MacGuffin is the Necroquake, which has caused all the endless spells to come out. Uh, has also broken open these old vaults that even Sigmar had forgotten about. 
It's going to do a lot more than this, too, I, I suspect. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep <laughs> rippling out and creating new stories, which, you know, I love. I love That's it. fine, I, right? It I, works. I, I think it's great. It's a fantasy setting. Let it go full fantasy. And um, basically, in Forbidden Power, if you're not familiar with it, this came out a few months ago. This is not a brand new thing. If for what we're doing is new, but this Forbidden Power is not new. Essentially, Necroquake, apparently during the Age of Myth, Sigmar, as he traveled the realms, came across a lot of artifacts, a lot of beasts that he couldn't destroy. So he locked them into these big storm vaults, and he put these penumbral engines over them, which obfuscate the area. In other words, it makes you kind of befuddled if you go near it and you forget about it. You still want to be there. The magic works so well that even he forgot about it. What, <laughs> you know, like that, how convenient is that? Right, 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 right. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this thing that happened. Oh, wow, there's so many of them. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> I forgot how many there were. I still can't write, re- quite remember all the ones that are there. So feel free to write more books about it. And see, I love that though because they create a thing in the setting to let the 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 audience create more of them if they want. And so they create a few official ones, but by never saying how many there are, you can kind of go nuts. That's classic games workshop. Yeah, it's like Space Marine chapters, right? Yeah, we have the founding chapters, but we're not going to tell you how many successor chapters there are. In fact, we know there are at least thousands, if not tens of thousands. So and, here you go. <laughs> and so yeah, so go ahead and make your own pink marine chapter that worship. Uh, rainbow unicorns. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. This probably exists. It is a rather large galaxy after all. They're a successor of Iron Hands, by the way. <laughs> of course they are. They're all successors of Iron Hands now, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, But anyways, this new one, essentially, I wanted to take the rules from that. The campaign that they have in there is interesting but kind of dry, as most of their campaigns I have been finding are, which it's not, it's not an insult. It's more they write them very generally so that you can play with anything. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. But it, it you know, it's a good I, stepping stone for people that aren't into campaigns. As exactly. Well, it's like if them. you want to play the campaign just as Forbidden Power writes it out, feel free. It'll probably be fun. But I wanted to narrate more of the campaign. So, so yeah. So it's basically about a storm vault called the Dragon Tooth Labyrinth. Apparently, in the Age of Myth, Sigmar slew a great worm named Dragon Tooth. And, but the thing kept resurrecting in the Realm of Beasts because it was tied so much to the realm. So he cut it up to thousands of pieces, hid its body throughout this um, labyrinth, this storm, this grand storm vault, and then put all his magics in place to stop it. And then the necroquake happened and popped it right open. And there's all sorts of artifacts in there as well, because, you know, dungeon crawls are fun. And uh, Luca is playing the antagonist, the protagonist. Yeah, protagonist, I'm playing a faction. You're playing the protagonist. <laughs> You're playing the, the the good guys or the the main characters, also known as the bloodied crusade. Yeah, they're 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 corn. They're corn. Right. So it's it's fun to do campaigns where it's not just Space Marines or Stormcast Eternal are the good guys. It's not it's not even like you're the good guys. It's more just the story from your point of view. And so we got Vladislav, the Impaler, leading the Bloody Crusade to try to, to claim some of those artifacts. Right. It's uh, This is the first time. No, it's not the first time. It's been a while since we've done a full army campaign. Yeah, we've always we've been doing a lot of small squads where each individual guy really mattered. And this one, there are individuals that matter, the heroes and stuff. But the units are there. It's a, it's a full standing force of 4,000 guys, sometimes splitting up to do separate missions. But it's still one standing force. Yeah, you, you kind of feel like that's your force that you have access to. I had Luca build a 4,000 point not list but kind of force right and then i present him two missions and he has to create 1500 point lists from that force but they have to be separate because he's sending them both at the same time so that creates some nice variety in the lists the they can find artifacts which help them upgrade and the art some of the major artifacts even upgrade when you use them if you can use them successfully and so this all i borrowed heavily from the stuff in there it's in the realm of gur but i decided to make it near the realm's edge where magic is a little more crazy so i went to 
the Battlescape features, the Realmscape features, and dialed them up to 11. I don't really want to get into that discussion too much right now about the Realmscape features, about what we think about them. Oh, like the, the, the generic ones out of the, the core The generic ones in the core yeah. world, You know, the, the too long, didn't read uh, version is they're a little dry. Not, yeah. If you're going to use something, you want it to actually have an impact. Right. One of the options is no effect. Like, why right. bother, right? Yeah. It's like, just re-roll that one. So I, I, I've i created a new one for the Realm of Beasts, which basically just takes the one that's in the core rule book and makes it even more powerful. And we've been having a lot more fun with that. And to be fair, that all really does depend on who you are as a wargamer, what you want, right? In these, of course. In these kind of games. Oh, no, but I'm saying if you're bringing in the Realmscape features... You're already... Yeah, it's true. Hopefully that means that you're trying to put a narrative to it. If you're thinking... If it's match play, tournament play with Realmscape features, yeah, okay, play them as is so that you both don't have disagreements as to how they should work. But there's just so many of them that they do so little, but you have to roll so many dice to do so little. Right. And I don't appreciate rules like that. Don't make me roll 50 dice to maybe cause a mortal wound here or there. It's like, no, no. Have, have, if they're going to do something, have it do something. Anyway, so, those, so that campaign should be coming out soon. Possibly this coming Saturday, if uh, our super busy Colin will have it edited by then. Yeah. Um, if not this Saturday, probably following Saturday. But we'll see. You'll, you'll, you'll see that. Maybe by the time you... This, this podcast actually comes out. We'll have announced when it's coming out. So because we filmed this a few days before. And don't forget that we do have events as well held at the bunker. If you're interested in coming in for some narrative events, the next one's coming up in October. We have Orc Apocalypse, which is a mega apocalypse game. Um, so there's still tickets available for that, as well as uh, Dave is running a Gorkamorka campaign with just a handful of players throughout the week. So the Orc Apocalypse is a Friday night, Saturday. So it's a little more open. It, Anybody who's local or wants to travel and do that, that, that you can do that. And then the Gorkamorka one's like all week long. You spend two full days with Dave just building your mob and then playing three days of, I think, are you in that one? I am. It's yeah, Dave so and myself. Dave yep. and Luca are doing that. So that should be fun. And we are planning on a mega campaign for January 2020. Uh, about four weeks long, guests can come in and participate in that, much like Wars of Apophis. So more on that, because I'm literally working on the map for that today. Right, because that is something I'm very interested in myself. Yes. So. With a, it's the cross, it's the 40k played cross games, so you can play Battlefield Gothic, oh. Kill Team, uh, Aeronautica Imperialis, Apocalypse, of course 40k. Um, and they all have an impact on this overarching campaign yes, map. Yes, there will be a map, and depending on the types of scenarios you play, you'll, it'll affect the, the planets in different ways. But nothing too complex. And I'm writing it in such a way that you could run this at home. And it should be able to work pretty well with any number of players. So enough of the announcements, although we've already had oh, some wow. discussion. <laughs> um, so the reason I brought Luke on here, there, there's a few discussion items I want to go through, including one from uh, somebody who sent me an email. Is uh, I started a new Battle Report show called Nothing But Narrative. It's possible by the time you watch this or the podcast that the first two episodes are already out. Uh, it might be out later this week, though. The first um, four games that were filmed have all been Warhammer 40K because I wanted to start off with the most popular just to kind of see what people thought of the show. The idea behind Nothing But Narrative is, is pretty self-explanatory, but I'll say it anyways, and especially because you're listening to the show, is there are battle reports that really focus heavily on narrative scenarios and narrative missions. And yes, we might be using some match play rules in some of them, but that's not the point. The point is to tell a good story. So I've already so Luca has actually helped me film three out of four of them. I did. That's right. That's I forgot right. it was two, three, and four. I'm like, I thought it was only three and four. No, 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 no you're no, right. We yeah, filmed yeah. the other one. You've already forgotten it because we have filmed a bajillion battle reports this week. Yeah, we're being pretty productive this yeah, week. Yeah, this this week Luke and I have filmed this through the the first three days, we filmed a couple battle reports each day, and it was pretty intense. There was a lot going on. 
So if forgive him or me if we forget little details. Are we going to be talking about the thing we did yesterday too? We are. Nice. That's okay, next. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. Hold on to that. Really hold cool. on to that. So, but what I want to do now is talk about the first couple episodes. And I promised basically that as I played narrative scenarios, I would review those scenarios and tell you ah. what I think of them and also what I would change about them. And since you play the second episode, the third and fourth are a little different. You're going to find a little in, in, in a few minutes. But so I'll talk about the first one, then we'll talk about the second one that we did together. And uh, my plan, if it all works out, is on our website under mini, at miniwargaming.com. Probably at first under tools and rules, I'm going to create a document there where you'll see all the different scenarios I've played and what I think about each of them, like a one paragraph summary of my thoughts and like a uh, a star rating. You know, I give this one four out of five stars. Sure. Or or four to five dancing Matthews. Yeah. There we go. I'm going to do the little dancing Matthew, a little simple. <laughs> it'll be a little scale of zero to five dancing Matthews or maybe one to five. Can you do less? Can you, in a five star system, can you do zero stars? Yeah. Because you always have to click something, right? When you're Wait, like, I assume you could do zero stars. Well, then it's like out of but six. But when then, YouTube used yeah. to be five stars, could you click, you couldn't click zero. You moved your mouse. Oh, I your forgot head. you could rate. Or what about <laughs> Apple? Or what about Apple reviews? Don't you have to click on at least the first star? I guess so. One yeah. being the lowest then. Yeah, sure. Amazon, same thing. I think one star is the lowest. Yeah. So anyways, that's really besides the point. So the first couple ones that we played were from Vigilist Defiant because as I read through that, I found it to be ridiculously awesome. I, an excellent source of really cool, fun scenarios, by the way, for anyone out there who's curious. And not just the scenarios, but story. Like Vigilist, the planet is freaking awesome. Have you read the whole thing? Well, I've read most of it. Okay. And I want to role play there so badly. Oh, wow. And see, that, and whenever I read a, a setting and it makes me want to play a role playing game there, you know that I really like the setting. Because I actually want to get into the, the crunchy, nitty-gritty details of it. Of course, I want to play miniature war games on there as well. But miniature war games don't get into that. They don't get into uh, the little details of the, of the place and the day-to-day -day living, whereas a role-playing game can really address that. And I've read this, and I'm like, oh, this screams role-playing <laughs> all over it. So good job, Games Workshop, or whoever wrote this. Obviously not, or Games Workshop is responsible, but good job to the person, not the abstract entity. I, I assume it was. Or persons. Maybe a team. Yeah, 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 probably. There's a lot of work here. And the scenarios so far have been pretty good too, which I'm impressed by. Because I expected, as I did narrative scenarios, to, um, you know, hit and miss. Lackluster, yeah. Because yeah, like, I found yeah. in the past that, I don't know Meat about you. grinder. Oh, <laughs> we'll never do meat grinder. <laughs> I've done it too much. And your in your experience, Luca, as you over your years of playing, whenever you do narrative scenarios, I don't just mean match play scenarios that you put a story to, but I mean like when you actually find a narrative scenario in a book. Right. How do you find that they usually play? Uh, well, I don't. I don't think I can say anything other than hit or miss. They're either. It all depends on the armies. It depends on the situation. But they're often hit or miss. They're amazing games, or they're done in one turn. And you're like, oh, that was dumb. Yeah, or the or the effects that made it narrative over a match play game were very minor and had actual no impact on the game. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, those are awful. Have the effects have an effect. Right. We're here for a narrative. It's okay if you throw balance out the window by having something happen. Oh boy, did I experience one of those games in a, in a narrative game recently? That yes, was rough. recently. Oh, we, <laughs> without spoilers, we can say it. Basically, uh, one of the Age of Sigmar narrative games that we just played for this campaign, uh, one of the Realmscape features. Um, it was that there yet you randomly at the, a hungry at the beginning animus. of each battle. Yeah, the, 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 the land is hungry. Yeah. And uh, at the beginning of each battle round, 
you randomly choose one of the two by two areas. So there's six two by two areas on the table. You randomly select one, and every unit, even partially on that, you roll a die for for you roll a die for every five models in the unit, rounded up. So the more the larger the unit, the more dice. For every four plus, it does a mortal wound. For every six, it does D three. And it so happened <laughs> that one of the turns, most of Luca's army was all in one of the six. I think it was areas. like ninety percent of my army. It was yeah, it was all but one unit. Yeah, and that unit was almost dead. And we rolled that one, yeah. and it's just like ah ah ah. It it didn't it didn't totally change how the game was going to end, but it sure felt that way. It uh, was uh, maybe a little soul crushing. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was maybe a little done with that game shortly after that, <laughs> which is fine. But we're not going to say anything else about right. how it ended because it did. It did. It, from my point of view, right? It was still a really good battle report. It went back and forth quite a bit. But watching that one turn of just like the land opening up and swallowing a bunch of your guys was pretty. But that's cool though. Like that's the whole point. That's why we wanted to play with those. And yet you said you were done with it afterwards. I think that had more to do with how the whole game went overall. Which no, that's what I mean. Like the effect was great, but the, the, the rest of the dice rolling and the situation I got myself in wasn't that great. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, we're not going to go total spoilers because as you're going to find out, as you watch this agent Sigmar narrative campaign, uh, the dragon tooth labyrinth, most of the time, it looks like Luke is losing, but he still manages to Somehow. often eke out victories, as is often the case with Luca. So anyways, the very first episode of Nothing But Narrative, I'm, I, once again, I'm going to be spoiler-free in all these these um, these reviews, because I don't know if you've watched it, even if it's even out yet, as the timing's all kind of wonking up to Josh. So I just kind of film these, and he puts them out when he can. <laughs> so the first one I did was Crucible of War Convoy, and this is where there's two players. I played Space Marine slash Astro Militarum. And my opponent played Gene Sither Cult, and uh, it was Hector, actually. Hector. I also played a narrative game with him, but I'll talk about after this. Yeah, Hector. Hector's a great sport. He was, he was great. He was all on board with this. Um, and essentially, the defender, which I chose to be, because it just makes sense if you're trying to ambush a convoy. If you're playing, if one of the players is Gene Sither Cult, <laughs> they're the attackers. <laughs> they should be the attacker, right? Like, I'm sh- yes, you can come up with a narrative reason why they have the convoy, but they just, they're just such... Am, like their literal main rule is called cult ambush. Like that's what they're all about. So they just have to be the attacker. And essentially you choose a number of transports that you want. And at least half of them have to get off to the other side of the table. It's as simple as that. You play until all those transports are off the table, either destroyed or off. That's it. If you get at least half off, you win. If you get less than half off, then your opponent wins. They get a major victory if you get none off. And so the it was great. As written... I would give it at least a four out of five. Oh, good. Um, Dancing Matthews. What was it lacking then? I would say the only, there was, there was two issues, two things I would change. One is the defender wasn't allowed to deploy at all on the table unless they spent command points. Now that's fine, but most rules that allow you to deep strike, or in the case of genes that are called cult ambush, say that instead, when this unit is going to be deployed, instead of deploying them on the table, you put them in deep strike reserve right. or whatever they call it, called ambush, underground, into the teleportariums, in the manta, whatever. Um, they, they always do that when instead of, de- instead of setting them up on the table. But if your mission says nothing set up on the table, essentially you can't use any of those. And it just felt wrong for the genes to their cult not to use literally a cult ambush. Yeah. And that was strange. I don't mean the cult ambush where they put the tokens down. I mean the one where it lets them pop up nine inches away and then use a three command point strategy to move D6 inches closer or something like that. It would basically, it would, so I basically said to him, 
you could put half your army in that if you want. And so he did. He put half of his army underground. So he made that modification. I saw that right away. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, I don't want it. Right. that to be the case. Um, and so that was the one change. And that's actually in the game that we played too. I wanted, I made that same change. Because I just thought it was... Actually, no, I don't think I made that change in our game. No, I did. I did. We said that I could put a few units in cult damage. Because I played Genesis of Cult. Right, because you game. swapped. And we did another mission where you played them. I played uh, Mars. It was, but it was the same yeah. thing. That only a 30-year army could start on the exactly. table. And I'm like... Oh, no, no, I didn't actually change the rules because I just took that third and put them underground. But I still would have changed the rules. But because I was playing the Genesis of the Cult, I, didn't, I find myself less willing to put those rules in my favor. That's right. I find myself less willing to put the rules in my favor. There's always some commenters. Um, does someone disagree with you? It's always, there's always some commenters who like, Matthew just fixes every scenario so he can win. Oh, my. Even like when I'm GMing narrative campaigns, it's like, oh, yeah, he's just trying to win. It's like that game we played. I rolled a five and hit my whole arm. He's like, that's classic Matthew. Classic Matthew <laughs> trying to win the game. <laughs> there's always, I know as a whole, I don't think people think that, but there's always those few commenters. So I'm, I'm talking to you, commenter, uh, Jonathan. I don't know, actually, I know their names. I'm just saying names because there's probably a Jonathan out there who thinks that. Who has complained. There's a lot of Jonathans, all right? So there's, there's bound to be one of them who's complained. <laughs> so I would change that. The other thing I would change is that let's the attacker go first, and I would have the defender go first because they have to cross the long, like they have to go, it, you get to deploy 12 inches up right. on the short table edge, and you got to make it to the other side. Ooh. And Wait, so you're only 12 inches up, so you have to go You have to go another, inches? another five feet. Yeah. And that's why they give it infinite turns, oh, because otherwise you'd never get there, right? right. And the, your opponent just delay you until you don't get off. And so I would have the defenders go first so they could get a little further up their board, or let them deploy a little further. The ones I've seen in other books that do this kind of thing, where you have to get off the table, they usually let you deploy in, and not on the table edge. They'll let you deploy about 18 to 24 inches up, but then in a narrow like strip a down the center. Yeah. And that's that that allows you to start further up, but still get and then your opponent would deploy usually six inches from the sides. There's an urban conquest scenario that's like that. And that seemed to work better when it came to that. So no spoilers for the game, but um whether I won or lost, i my convoy didn't get more than halfway off the table. Now I could still win by destroying his army, remember? Right. And because then, you know, technically the convoy would get off. So this is not a spoiler. But um my, yeah, my army didn't get more than half. It just made it just didn't make sense to try to push it through. It made more sense just to hold back and just shoot. Was there unlimited game turns on that one? Exactly. Okay. There was. So I had no Yeah, no reason to push I had no reason yeah. to. You could just hunker down where you were and just Yeah, and just fight. Yeah. Um so letting the defender go first or changing the deployment so they start a little further up, I think would be helpful. Now I know they have to think about, well, there's some armies that have flyer transports. And so those ones could just boom right off the table. But that's once again on the players. Right. That's where you as the player have to make that decision not to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Because like, okay, well, this honestly, if if you have one person of the two who look at the mission and think, oh, right. They're not doing be, it right. This would be really powerful. Then I'm sorry. You just, you just, you lost. You, you lost the narrative. Right. You, you may win the game, but you've lost the narrative. And so you always have to stay away from that. And so, yeah, this, the fact that I chose Astra Militarum to be the convoy because I wanted a bunch of, because I didn't want to bring rhinos because I was bringing a Primaris force, right. Space Marines. And so I brought Astra Militarum so I could just bring three Chimeras and a Tarox. Uh, that's just, cool. And I filled them with empty, like just regular last gun guys and a, and, a, and a commander. I used one of the cool detachments from Vigilus on that detachment because it was all about transport moving around. I thought that worked really well. And he used a detachment for the Genes that are called. That made sense for that mission, too. 
uh, from Vigilus. So those are the only two changes I'd make. I'd change either deployment or let the defender go first just to get that little extra movement, let them get kind of somewhere in, in, in position. And um, I'd also allow the the attacker, like just have a little caveat in there saying if they have rules that such as deep striking terminators, I know they don't call it deep striking, but that's a relic of 7th edition. Um, you know, being able to bring guys on the field in a different way, then they're allowed to use those rules. Um, because I don't think it breaks the game. It definitely didn't break our game. It was more interesting because of it. And it, it could have worked perfectly fine without using it. It was just a shame that the genes that are cults wouldn't be able to use the thing that they're so famous for, especially because we're playing narrative play, which means he can spam the same stratagems, like that three command point oh, strategy. Perfect ambush. Yeah, perfect ambush. Like you want, I want to see that in a, in a narrative game. I want to see them like all jump in and That's move. That's terrifying. Six, six. It is. It also <laughs> burns a ton of command points. So, so it's 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 great. It's but I want to see that. That's that's this is where we get to do that stuff. Like I get why in match play you can't generate an extra more than one extra command point per turn or battle round that nexus yeah because the nexus is just creating had, so many more i had an awful experience with, like not awful but it was it actually it actually scared me when i was playing that game i'm like wow i can i can really see why they did this i thought guard were bad these guys are way worse they're uh, well, but they came out after really well yeah. yeah 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 but but that's the thing though they it, it's the, the we're talking about in match play in case you're not familiar if you have any rules that let you generate new command points uh, like, for example, there's lots of them. The Nexus, oh, lots there's Nexus in general, you see their call that basically says anytime anybody uses command points, you get that command point on a five plus. Right. So, um, like, if your opponent uses two command points, you get to roll two dice, and each five plus is a command point every time you use. And there were times where he'd be like, okay, perfect ambush, that's three command points. He'd roll three dice, get two of those command points back. Rough. And then the next one would do perfect ambush, and he'd get two of those back. It's not statistical, he should have got less. But he got a lot. I think he generated like 12 extra command points in our game. And uh, I, I played Hector because I, I was inspired by the game we played. So I agreed to play Hector in a narrative game because he liked the narrative stuff. And that was pretty much the exact same story. <laughs> yeah. Now, it w I'm not going to say that was overpowered because I'm not once again not going to give the outcome of the game. I will tell you right now, it was not overpowered. But I so that's just what my whole point is. I get why in match play they have to regulate those things because I know people will match play is where you'll the people who want to game the system are more likely in that play right than the in narrative play uh, there although there are plenty of people in narrative play who still can't help but try to game the system um but yeah 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 so that's what i think so convoy four out of five dancy matthews four and a half out of five almost oh wow up. if <laughs> i don't if i don't have to make any changes that's the only way you're gonna five out of five dancy matthews so this one's a four out of five because i had to make changes in order for me to think this is a good scenario so then you and I played, Luca. We played. Not hold your games. No, but we, we played did. the mail dropping one. Yeah. That nope. is, it is. Nope. No, it's an I think it's the last There one. it is. Data recovery. This one's hilarious. This is a ridiculous reason for a narrative. I yeah. got to read it. I got to Go read for it. it. Okay. Okay. Because this is hilarious. All right. So remember, we're 40,000 years in the future. I realize we've <laughs> lost some of our technology. <laughs> Vital data regarding the war is sent in scriptorum canisters from the planet's moon. They have radios. We know they have radios. Oh, yeah. They, have, okay. they call them Vox, by yeah, the way, yeah. if anyone's They're curious. Voxcasters. This ancient technology, <laughs> they shoot. Like, you remember pneumatic tubes? I, like, I think they're still used in some cities. Yeah, I think the Jetsons a lot. Is yeah, what I think. So where, where you're like you're sending the mail through an office complex or whatever, and they send them through the pneumatic tubes. That's what I picture. The scriptorum canisters are what they're called. Though. Sure. 
This ancient technology has degraded over the millennia. Millennia. And there is no way to predict exactly where the canisters will land on the planet. (laughs) Why? Why would they use this technology? I don't know. The defenders must swiftly recover them before the attackers can salvage them. So they're sending down key information. Randomly. Randomly. (laughs) Scriptorum canisters that they don't know where they're going to end up. No. Hence, welcome to the bureaucracy of the 41st millennium, people. So one one player plays the attacker who's trying to steal this information. Now, to be fair, uh, it's just as difficult for the attacker because they can't make a solid plan as to where to attack. Because they they kind of just show up and it's like, here's hoping it shows up here. It's a ridiculously, and I will say, unbalanced scenario. Because where they show up can just dictate the whole game. In fact, in ours, once again, I'm not going to give spoilers, but it almost felt like the fighting part didn't dictate who won. No. It was just where they landed. But we had a blast. Uh, it was because it's unpredictable. It's fun. The stratagems kind of help the defender control where they go. So that's, yes, little, that's you, more you could, power you could to re-roll. The, you could yeah. re-roll a bit of the randomness of where they'd go. So what would you give? How many dancing Matthews would you give it? So we can talk about what would... Uh, I had so much fun. It has, I'd say it's a four out of five as well, dancing Matthews. Yeah. Because it, once again, were there any... Cha- uh, there is a change I would make. But um, I would, I'd make two changes. One would be once you're, you're basically both parties have to only put a third of their army on the table. Yep. And I think they must put a third too. No, I think it's no more than. I, I could be Cannot remembering. Cannot be greater than one third. And the rest are put in reserve. But your reserves. Oh. Yeah. There is, no, come on. Reserve rules are good for narrative stuff. That's They fine. are. They are. I wouldn't <laughs> change that. I just hate them. But that's a good thing they don't exist in match play. Oh, I hate yes. rolling for reserves. I avoid it like the plague. But at the same time, you're right. In a narrative game, it, it is a, it's a good story-driven element. And so this one, you can put up to a 30 army on the table in your deployment, which is basically a corner. And the rest of it has to go in reserve. Attackers reserves come in on a four plus <laughs> and defenders on a three plus. Now there is a one command point stratagem for the attackers. Um, no, two command points rough where they get plus one reserve rolls. So it's three. And I, I use that and it did make a difference. I rolled a bunch of threes. And so that, that definitely did make a difference. And you did defenders have a stratagem just for one command point. They don't even have to roll for that one unit. They have to pay that they do it before they choose to roll though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah. Before making a reserve roll, they automatically come in. So if there's something you must have come in, but that's only one command point though. So my two command point one is plus one and the defender one, one command point one. So I like those. I like that. I I, I, I'd like that you could manipulate where it dropped as well. Right. But that, that kind of, I think that gave a lot. Well, I guess it might not have changed anything, but I think it has a lot of power to the defender. Of course. Yeah, of course. Which is that between that and the fact that the defenders reserves come up better than the, the attackers. So, but when you really look at it, I'm not, once again, no spoilers. We know that we know the outcome of the game, but when you just look at it, forgetting our specific game, you can kind of see that you know it could go, it could be wonky and go either way. One hundred percent in both in both cases, because technically the intel could land in the exact same spot three times, and yeah. that could be right in the defender oh, well, or f- the attacker. It's four times, it's or oh, five or six times, up to seven. Oh, six times, right? Six times. It's, it's basically in the second turn onwards. There's nine random locations where the script or the canister can come in and it can come into the same one. In other words, you could stack up three objectives yeah. in the same one. And a model can hold any number of canisters. It actually says that. Right. Random game length, so you could have up to six of them. And they could all just go boop, 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 in the same spot. Right. And so And that could be right in the middle of your territory or my territory. Or it could be in the middle. Yeah. Basically picture a three by three grid that's kind of in the middle of the table. 
now the other thing I would change is how that grid is laid out. Right. I found I, it a little too close to the table edges of their deployment zones. Uh, so basically, because your your reserves, as much as you only start in the corner, your reserves come on the table. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing I would change too. How they come on. Yeah. 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 They, they basically, when they come on, they're just placed within six inches. I would place them within 12. Or I'd go old school 7th edition and allow them to actually move onto the table. I don't know if we have, we don't really have the rules for that though. So I don't think I would want to add that in because it can it can create so many edge cases that we'd have to worry about it, right? Um, Again, it's only narrative games too, so. I know, but I know, but it still creates edge cases. And you need to make sure that if you're putting a rule in a rule book, that it works for all the armies, right? Right. So I get why they wouldn't be like, they can move on the table as if they started right off the table. Because things did come up in 7th edition with that. Yeah. Like, what if a land raider comes on and his his longer, he's actually not Sick fast easy. enough to get on. Right. So they had to write rules. Okay, well, this is what you do in that situation. So to avoid all that confusion, basically, when your reserves come in, they just come in. They had to be placed fully within six inches, more than nine inches from enemies. And so you just, everything was just so far away from each other. It took forever to get to the action. Yeah, exactly. So I would say 12 inches for sure. Uh, now, the attackers had a nice stratagem that they could actually come in from the sides. And that came in handy, kind of. Um, the other thing I would do is the canisters, I would I would squeeze them more towards the middle. Because they, they could go as the, the three spots, or the, the, the nine spots were three 12 inches from the one side, three down the middle, three 12 inches from the other side. I would make that 15 inches, maybe as much as 18 inches, just to force... Maybe 18 might be too much. I'm trying to think of how far apart they'd be at that point if they're 18. Only so they're, six, they'd be six yeah, inches Yeah, that's apart. right. They'd be six from the center, six from your opponent. So 12 from your opponent's side. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, you, you squeeze it in, so on yeah. both sides. It's, everything's same. very central. Then. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe 15 inches would be enough to make it feel like you're... Because it just felt like you didn't have to move. But then again, we don't know where the canisters are going to come either, right? Right. But then that, that's the other thing. It's like if, if they pop on your opponent's side, your reinforcements come in within six inches of your side... That's just too far away. So that so I those things I, I still give it four out of five. I might have to like lower that to three point five out of five because that that just is so far away from each other that you're relying on the canister drops to be interesting. Right. When you want it to be able to be interesting almost no matter how, what happens. So yeah, maybe I'd drop it down to three point five out of five dancing Matthews. Yeah, cause because because of that, it takes you. If you're not you, were, you had a mobile force too, which is the only reason I brought bikes. Why we actually got any action in the game? Yeah, yeah. So and I was called to ambushing up, and I actually paid the command points to bring in the side. Otherwise, I would have like, oh, here's my guys, right? And they're gonna walk across as your admech army just shoots them to death. That's what would have happened. Yeah, and because um, that's what did happen a lot. You were just sitting across the table, just shooting them to death. And once again, no spoilers for who won because it was a very close game right down to the end. So it was really fun. So that was it was still good, though. But once again, minor changes like that when you need to look at it. And the funny thing is, this is after playing it once. So if, if I had the writer here, they'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 we thought of that. But here's the reason we didn't. And they might be able to give a perfectly good reason because you're not thinking about these two armies which this is what they would do if that's what they happen. You're like, you're oh, absolutely right. Yeah. There's a there's so much to balance. Yeah. And once again, I know it's not all about balance, but it is at the same time. You don't want to just if you create a ridiculous scenario, no one's gonna play it. They're not gonna play it. They're not gonna appreciate it. So why'd you write it? So yeah. Would you change anything about the scenario? Other I would that? I would definitely change the speed at which the armies show up on the sides because my force too much three up and four up was too little. Oh sorry, I meant not, not that uh how they show because my guys all showed up and they just kind of sat there and shot. Right. Because they couldn't move all that much right so they they show up on turn two they're not moving till turn three they show up turn three they're not moving till turn four 
So I, I would change that. Mostly that. That's like yeah. pretty much the only thing. Yeah. No, I. Yeah, that, that 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 felt like the biggest effect for sure. And I think maybe I would even say that I want the reserve roles to be different. But the, once again, that's because they only show up within six inches. So that's true. Yeah. So if they showed up a little further, then it wouldn't hurt as much as like because I had. I had the Sanctus I brought. I'm like, I can't wait for this to show up because <laughs> once it showed, because I couldn't put it in reserve, so I couldn't deep strike it. So I couldn't use, because he has a rule that he can do his perfect ambush for free. So I wanted him to show up like turn two so that at the end of turn three, I could have him disappear. So at the turn four, I could have him do his thing. He didn't show up till turn five. Rough. So he so, couldn't do anything until turn seven. And I can't remember if there was one or not. And there wasn't, but it doesn't matter. Um, it just, it basically just made a bunch of my forces and your forces. Some of your force is totally useless. Right. It just didn't do anything. So, yeah. Yeah, the more I talk about it, it's a 3.5. It's 3.5 out of 5. If I can do 3.5. If I'm unable to do 3.5 on my little scale. Maybe thing, a like 3 the then? Pictures, it might be a 3. Yeah, I think this is definitely a scenario for those who like the more random, unpredictable stuff. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I don't mind the random predictable or random stuff. That part didn't bother me at all. It was mostly just the, the slowness just, of showing up. where you are and where they dropped. Yeah, combination of deployed, reinforcement rolling, and not No, really I, liked, I liked using command points to manipulate it. I thought that oh, was that good. Was, yeah. I thought that was good. I enjoyed that. Even, even though it worked against me, I enjoyed it. So, yeah. So, there's our first two reviews of narrative scenarios. These both from Vigilus, and I will do more of these. Um... I don't know how much time I'll always spend in the shows doing that because I know we want to cover a lot of other topics too. But that's why we're just going to keep doing more of these shows as well. So the other thing that we did, that we just did yesterday, well, in our time, in your time, it was about a week ago, or exactly a week ago, actually, is we did a no-dice battle report. And you're probably wondering what that means. It go is, ahead and explain it. You it, explain it, Luca. It is, oh boy. <laughs> it was It was very alien for me. That's That's for sure. It was... Can I just say the battle report was like, what? It's probably going to be 10 minutes long? Yeah. Yep. About 10 minutes long each. So you literally only see the effects of the die rolls. You see the models move. In the you, battle report. In the battle report, you see the models that die. We describe how it all happens. Uh, narratively, though. Uh, I can't really explain it any better than that. I'm sure you could... Now, there's, there's two things that you might think of when you think of no dice battle reports. You might think, well, they didn't use dice. Oh, no, that was definitely not the case. We, we, we played a proper game. We just didn't show any of the dice rolls on camera. Or measuring. Or measuring. Or talk about the rules. Exactly. Yeah. This is not a battle report for a person wanting to learn tactics or nope. learn the rules. You'll learn nothing. <laughs> and you'll have no idea if we made mistakes, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's it, it call, I call it a no dice battle report, although I have another idea for no dice battle report. But maybe I should just call it the the statistical battle report. The other, like the polar yeah. opposite, where where it's like we don't use dice no matter what. It's the average. Uh, yeah, it's like if you take twenty shots and you hit on fours, then you hit ten times. Right. And if there is a remainder, like well, you got eleven shots to hit on fours, well then you hit five times, and that remainder one, we roll the die. That's for that where one. the odds kick in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you have a two up save and you got six hits, well you fail the save. You don't get to make them all. Right. Or fail them all. Which is rough. Yeah. 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 I don't even know if that'd be good. Like, obviously, that'd be really fun to do every now and then. That would kill a war game. Like, to do that over <laughs> yeah, and over yeah. and over again. I don't suggest that it's good for miniature war game. No. But it could be interesting to see because then you you could still blame the dice because it, it would be a little wonky in certain things like um, running, charging. Like, do you always take a seven on a charge? Right, that's just it. There's that question, that question right there. There's also the question of, oh, the single shot weapons. Right. You know, if I'm firing a last cannon, I've always got to roll that. Right. Because it's one shot. You can't take the average until you fire a minimum six. Oh, well, it's not minimum six shots. 
or, or two shots on a four up. Right. Three on a three up, I guess. No, two on a three up. Okay, yeah. Because then you know one's going to make it, and then you roll the other one. Right, yeah. So, because you don't know if the other one. That's so weird. <laughs> two up, same thing. One of them makes it, and you got to roll the other one. Right. So it wouldn't work perfectly. Because the other idea I had for that is that you actually, like, have a pool of dice, and you get to shoot. Like, here's, you, you get... 21s and 22s and 23s. And oh, you dictate where they go? And then you decide where they go. <laughs> but you have a different pool for where you want them to be low. So you can't just use the ones for your leadership checks and the sixes for your shots. So you have a different pool for when you want a low roll kind of thing. Okay. Um, and yeah, so you're like, ah, do I use a six here? So I'm, I'm three to hit. So I'm just going to use my threes. I ran out of threes. I guess I got to use some of my fours. Got to save those sixes for the special effects. Right. right. Or the, the the ones and twos have to go somewhere too, though, right? Or, like, or yeah. if you can reroll, it's like I'll just I'll grab one of those ones because I reroll ones, right? So yeah. I'll grab a one, then grab the five. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so weird. <laughs> it would be pretty weird. And then once they're all gone, you get them back again, so they replenish. Right. All sorts of problems with that, but it could be fun. Anyway, so this one, yeah, it it was hard. It it's, the funny thing is, people are gonna watch it and be like, "Oh man, are you guys just like pumping up battle reports and you don't care about their quality?" First off, I think it's going to be great quality. But second off, it took us just as long to film that. It did. Yeah, we got a regular yeah. battery for it. They were, I don't know, I, we, will, we agreed to do 50 points and 52 points. Power. 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 Like a thousand points. Right. Just because it was, we didn't want to worry about upgrades. We just wanted to bring cool guys. Yeah, we even as went as far as to be like, just go unbound and you get three command points. So you yeah. still count as being battle forge, but just bring whatever at 50 power. Right. It so was, you, you didn't have to like nitpick. Or, like, one player didn't be like, well, at 50 power, I can have a million command points. It's like, no, 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 let's just keep it simple. Right. You don't have to worry about a million stratagems. But, of course, the, the viewers don't even know this. Exactly. They don't see how many command points. We don't, we don't discuss anything. Now, we, we give hints to stratagems. <laughs> the fury. With the fury of the first thing. Yeah, the fury of the first thing. <laughs> fire the star bolter and completely annihilate that squad of gene stealers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. How, so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I don't think you've seen. I don't think they're out yet. I'm pretty sure they're not. So we're gonna be careful to be spoiler free here, right? Uh, what did you think? I thought at, fir- at first it was very nerve wracking because you want it. It's almost, you're at, at that point. You're well. Matt said this. You're making a video. You're not making a game. I guess. No, no, no. What? Our experience. It's from our experience. Yeah. Our experience. When we play it, when we do a normal battle report, we're playing a game and we're recording it. Right. When we're doing this. There was no fudging of the dice rolls. 100% not, no. not a single. I wanted to a couple there times. Was, there was, yeah, he almost did. I'm like, like, I nope, really want nope. to, but I said there wouldn't be at the beginning, and I am not a liar. Right. And so there's zero dice fudging. Um, and that it was, it was it, everything you see happen is legitimate, exactly what happened in the game. But what we had to do, and... I'm, I'm, you, I want your feedback on them, so go watch those battle reports when they come out. And I think they'll comments. be entertaining. I think they're going to be good, but we still have to kind of figure out the best ways to describe things because it can get repetitive. Right. When, and these, because you don't want to just be like, and these tactical Marines fired their bolters at these gene stealers, and five gene stealers died. Like, you don't want that. You got to. You don't want that five times, right? You don't want it even once. That was boring. True. You yeah. want to say the tactical Marines plant their feet down and unload their bolter shots into these gene stealers. And then you switch the camera to the gene stealers as the hand pulls three of them away, and three of them were ripped apart by the bolter rounds. But at the same time, you don't want like super epic things every ten seconds for everything, right? Because then it just yeah. To us, we're recording it over the course of a day, right? But you're hearing it all in ten minutes, right? So it's like, 
how epic does everything have to be? Like every time something moves, it's this like 10 second, uh, like the, <laughs> and, it, and the tactical Marines move towards the chase Taylor. Kicking dust up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And they just moved six inches. Yeah, they like just squawked forward into cover. They, yeah. So but, but that, that one we kind of saw because I would get like a group and then they like, they all advanced and then we'd take an after shot of them moving forward. Right, because so, it's so. we're still trying to figure it out, and obviously we're going to take a lot of the feedback from yeah. that. I'm a little worried about it sounding cringy. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure it'll be cringy. I'm positive it'll be cringy because uh. we're still we're 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 still figuring out how to do it right, and we're kind of entering the realm of something that should sound more professional. And yet, you know, as soon as you cross a certain line, then people expect it also yeah. to be really good. It's like adding, um, it's like adding CG to to a movie. Right. right. The moment you add CG, you got to put a ton of money into it, otherwise. Um, otherwise it looks like crap and it actually takes away from your movie rather than adding to it. So that's why a lot of indie films will focus on dramas and comedies rather than trying to do things mm. with heavy CG. Right. Or they'll use more practical props like costumes and stuff um, because that's easier to pull off at a lower budget. So this is kind of the same line as that. So and and I had Luca. I asked Luke at the beginning. I'm like, do you uh, want to narrate your own guys? I really or do you did. want me to do the whole thing? I wanted to do my guys, but it, it it was it was hard to grasp at first. I think by turn two, for for whatever reason, I was fine. I was rough on turn one, then turn two, three, I was fine, it and then turn flow. and then turn four, I started just having a hard time again. I, I think I think you're just getting tired, right? Maybe there's little things you don't realize when you're filming behind the scenes. Like for example. Um, one thing that happened, and I th- I'm sure I did it too, but I'm just thinking of a specific example that Luca did, that he would do things like the chaplain moves forward, the chaplain shoots his combi bolter, the chaplain swings with fear. right To him, five minutes has passed between each of those things, so he doesn't remember that he just said the chaplain. And so what we tried to do is try to think of it as like you're continuing a sentence. So so it's like a, the chaplain moves forward and fires his storm bolter which destroys five. These are different clips to us that all happen spaced apart. We, we, and we, this is us going to roll off camera, maybe looking up rules to try and remember something. So we've got to remember what we said before. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's the challenge, I think. Like, I'm sure we could take a, a huge amount of time to film one and just keep listening to the previous clips and stuff. But I don't, I don't, I think I wouldn't enjoy that at all. That'd so. be a little taxing. Yeah. Just for a, yeah, but the cool thing is I was, I was like, I wonder how long these battle reports will oh be. Oh my. And I look at the camera after we finished doing the first one, which was three turns, three full turns. Right. Before um, the one side conceded. And it was uh, 10 or 11 minutes long. And that's, that probably, and that, that condensed down even it's, a little it bit might more. Maybe nine or 10 minutes. Minus the editing errors that we had to redo a couple clips here and there. And then, yeah, it's going to be real short, like 10 minutes, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So Jeez. I'm curious if that's great or if that's bad. I know people like battle, long battle reports because they listen to it while they paint and they want to see all the stuff happening. This is not going to replace a regular battle report. Oh, no. I was going to have them replace like a day of battle reports. But when I saw that they're only 10 minutes, I'm like, uh-uh. Because people are going to think that we're just like right. trying to throw out, throw out something easier to make when they're actually harder to make. But because they're 10 minutes, they'll have the perception will be that they are, that we're just kind of, oh, we don't have time today. So we're going to throw out these 10-minute battle reports. It, it, was, it, was, it was very different to do, fun to do. Uh, it could be taxing to do all the time as well. So that probably wouldn't be the case also. But if they are much more, like I could see them being more popular than a regular battle report just because it's only 10 minutes long. Right, and then and, we'll get better and better at doing it as well. I, I'd hope so. Yeah, yeah. It, it might take it, it'll take some practice for sure, but it's definitely something I've never seen done before. Ah, oh, fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At least I'm not aware of anybody else who's done nothing like a, a, a no dice battle report where all they do is narrate everything that's happening. 
but it's actually real what happened. Heck, even if it's not real, I don't think I've seen it. Right. And then funny enough, after because we did those yesterday, I was, as of recording this, I played a game of Age of Sigmar today. Now sh- we did the intro, showed off the armies, and I looked at the clip on the camera. And it was already like twenty five minutes in. I'm like, right. Wow. We were done two. We those were like two <laughs> that, battle reports. That's two. Ba- I had yeah. I had I had twenty five minutes total of the two battle reports. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's fine. People want to see the full armies. Uh, the reason that we do our battle reports, the format we do, is that's years of feedback. Because uh, I remember at first I wouldn't go over the armies as much. I'd actually put them in a separate video because I'm like, oh, it's too long. People want to get to the game. But people are like, no, no, I want to see the armies. I'm like, okay, we'll show all the army stuff. We'll show this. We'll show that. And people want to see all those details. And that was based on feedback for that. So stay tuned for the No Dice Battle Reports. They're episode three and four of Nothing But Narrative. Uh, if they become a thing, they'll probably become their own show. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're they're so unique, and I'm hoping um, you guys really like. Because I I had a lot. I would love to do that again. I think there's a it's, it's some really good potential, and if they're really popular, maybe even do a whole narrative campaign of nothing but narrative. Right. I like. I'm not suggesting once again that this replaces what we normally do because I don't think it scratches the same itch. Uh, I think people want to see you roll the dice because one thing you're not going nice to see too, you're yeah. not going to see interaction. No, nope. you'll never see our faces, and you don't get to see us yell at the dice. Uh, you don't get the emotions of it, and and I'm okay with all of that not being in this specific battle report. But I would be sad if we didn't have any battle reports with that. Right. Again, these these will be I assume far and few between at first, if at all. This, this could be the last that we do. Maybe you guys hate it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so I stay tuned for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're almost out of time here. Um, I guess the next discussion item is going to have to wait for our next episode. Well, didn't someone, was this the one that person emailed in about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do it. So um, basically, I'll, I'll give you a preview as what's going to come up in the next episode because I'll make sure this is covered because I think it's a really good one. But it's, it also, it could take the entire episode to talk oh, wow. about. I thought we'd have a good 15, 20 minutes left. But both Luke and I like to ramble. Me more than Luke, I think. Told, told you. Well, I love rambling. I'm just like, I, I've, I've always been the type to let the other person talk more because I'm a better listener. Would you I like find. to have a good discussion about rambling? No, please, <laughs> please proceed to what you were trying to say. <laughs> so basically, Cliff Trett sent me an email, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll read it on the next show. But his question is, is how do you come up with a story mm-hmm. for your narrative campaigns? Like, how do you what what what's what do you use to inspire and to create a story? And then he goes on to talk about, and how do you then let the battle reports like manipulate that story, and 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 uh, like, well, you know what? How do they meet the goals, and how do you how do you mold? He uses the word mold the story in a good way that it doesn't become too one sided, and that's interesting. And so we're going to cover that on the next episode of the Wargaming Game Master. So thank you, Cliff Trett. And once again, if you want to leave comments, I by the way, I, I went through all the emails that I was sent. I read all the comments you left on Facebook on the post where we talked about this. I read the comments in the Facebook group on Mini Wargaming, and I read every single comment. So I, I replied to a few of them that I could just quickly give answers to, like, hey, when are you going to do your next campaign? It was like, tomorrow, literally, is the next one coming out. <laughs> I remember answering the one. It's like the day before we we're going to put the Shattered right. Imperium out. So I do read every single one of them. So if you want me to see your comment, just comment on the YouTube video, or if you're listening to the podcast, Head on over to our Facebook page or look up our Mini Wargaming Facebook group and join that. Or send me an email, matthew at miniwargaming.com, with discussion ideas, questions you have for me. I'd, I'll tell you right now, I won't reply to the emails, but I will read every single one and use them for the show if they if something is applicable in there. I just I get too many emails to reply to all of them, so I can't promise that. But it's a great, great way to send me an, uh, a comment 
if you're not watching this on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, just leave the comment below. I promise you that will I will read it because I read pretty much every single YouTube comment and mini wargaming comment that anybody puts on all of our videos. I just don't have the time to reply to all of them because I'm always trying to. That's a lot. It, there's yeah. a lot, but it's I like it. I well, except for the the mean ones. Don't be mean. Hey, all right, all right. Well, I I I mostly actually just look at my own. I guess I'm yeah. Oh, I keep an eye on all yeah. your guys to see yeah. if which one of you guys are going to stick around. I'm ki- <laughs> <laughs> I'm always curious. Maybe with the other people as well. If it's something interesting, oh, what do people think about that? Click, click, click. But yeah, I also my own. The, the other reason I keep it on the comments too is that when a video first goes up, if there is an issue with the video, commenters will be quick to tell us. Oh yeah, because we put up so many videos that it's hard to to check. Like um, it's possible that the wrong thumbnail was put quality on. Quality control. Yeah, there's quality yeah. control. You guys are a quality control because we put out hours of content every day. And it would take a full-time position to watch all the content before we put it out to make sure that everything is right. That sounds rough. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. How would you like that job? <laughs> didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much for joining us today. Luca, thank you for being on the show. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm not welcome? Was this, was this in question whether I'm welcome or not? <laughs> Hey, <laughs> hey! maybe Luca will be coming back in a future show. We'll find out. Thanks so much for watching or for listening. Stay tuned for more Wargaming Game Master. Forgot the name of the show for a second. And happy Wargaming. Toodaloo.